Well, I wanted to look at a new topic with you this week. It might span a few messages, but we'll see. Um, but I've been kind of struck lately by a certain individual in Scripture um, and, and quickened by a, a, a certain verse that it refers to him, and it's actually in the book of Revelation, even though he's in the Old Testament, but it's about the man Moses. And, you know, it's quickened by a verse Sarah was sharing with me, um, and it's really stayed in my spirit for the last few weeks. Um, and I, I felt to look at his life a bit, and the verse is in Revelation 15. And in, in this chapter, we're seeing a, a picture of a group in heaven. And this group has overcome the wicked one. And they're on a sea of glass, just praising the Lord and, you know, worshiping God. And, and you know, their song initiates an outpouring. And in fact, it's an outpouring of judgment because they sing, you know, unto the Lord and worshiping him. And then the final judgments are poured out upon the earth and his kingdom is established. And, and so I wanted to read these verses with you. And so Revelation 15 and verse 2 it says, I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire and them that had gotten victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark, over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass having harps of God. And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God and the song of the lamb saying, great and marvelous are, your, are thy works, Lord God almighty, just and true are thy ways, the king of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name for thou art holy. All nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. And so this kind of tells us, you know, where Moses is in heaven's estimation. All right? Here's a group of overcomers in heaven. They're singing songs of worship and songs that are going to open the way to the final victory to come in the earth. And what are they singing? They're singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. And that kind of really struck me. You know, the song of Moses and the Lamb. Now, in Scripture, the thought of a song is very important. and We might look at that later on in more detail. Uh, but a song can refer to not just praising God with a song, right? We sang songs this morning in, in worshiping the Lord, and that's significant and necessary that we worship God with our voice, but yet the song also is something that is developed in our life, is that our life can be a song of praise to the Lord. It becomes kind of our message uh, is a song of praise. And these songs are often developed in difficult situations where we have to trust in Him, where we have to hope in Him and, and you know, rely upon Him and be led by him. And sometimes it's through darkness, through dark trials. And, you know, something interesting when you're studying the song, uh, this thought of the song of the Lord and songs being developed in his people, you know, in Psalm 77, verse six, Psalmist says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. Where was his song? It was in the night, the night hours or in the darkness, and I commune with my heart, my spirit made diligent search. And so it seems as if in a dark season in life, the psalmist 
developed a song of trust and of praise that the Lord would be with him. And it was an encouragement to his heart. It also talks about a song in Isaiah 30, 29. It talks about a song in the night that is, that's actually of gladness. And there's that, that thought that the song, uh, that we sing it as we come up to the mountain of the Lord, to the mighty one of Israel. And so there's a song in the night that leads us to the holy hill of God. And we want that song developed because we want to come to his holy hill. Well, that means we might go through some, some dark times and some challenging times, but it's going to birth a song in our hearts as we trust in him. And so there is a song that God wants to develop in, in every season. And as we respond to God and we follow the lamb wherever he leads us, actually, there's a, there's a reference to another group in heaven singing a song that we've referred to a lot here, right? The previous chapter of, well, we talked about Revelation 15, but in, in chapter 14, there's another group in heaven and they're singing unto the lamb. And it says they're singing a song no one else knew. Why is that? It's because they knew it. Because they, they learned it and they developed it in life as they walked with God. And, and so God wants to give us songs that maybe we'll be singing some choruses that other people, they won't be able to sing it because they didn't walk that same pathway. But we did. And we can sing that song of praise to God. But, you know, back in, in Revelation 15, you know, so here's that group of overcomers. They're singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. And that kind of speaks volumes to us of the level and the type of song that Moses allowed God to develop in his life. You kind of get the feeling these songs are very similar in content and quality, you know, that of, of what Moses allowed God or what God worked into Moses. You know, it gives us a sense of the magnitude of the character of the man Moses. And, you know, of course, Moses, we understand from Scripture, he's one of the, the two anointed ones or candlesticks, and, he, and you know, who stands before the, the Lord of the whole earth. And that's kind of a, an awe-inspiring thought when you consider that. You know, because nothing happens by chance. You know, even though our life is full of decisions and we have to make decisions that determine the outcome of our life and the pathway that we choose. But, you know, before the foundation of the world, God knew Moses and Elijah would follow him. And he chose them to stand before him for all eternity. And, you know, that, that kind of carries the thought of fellowship, right? That they're going to be the ones with him. They're going to be on his right and left and interacting with him. And, you know, referred earlier to the, the coronation of the king of England was, was on TV. And, you know, the king is surrounded by uh, heads of state and counselors and royalty and so forth. Um, and, and so it's surrounded by those who can aid him. But there's also the thought is he's surrounded with people he can relate to. Right? It's a limited circle of those he can relate to in his position, but those he can have that kind of relationship with. And so 
the ones the father and son chose to be near for all eternity is Moses and Elijah. You know, in reality, man was created for the pleasure of the Godhead, to bring him pleasure. We read that in another verse in Revelation. Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? Because he created us. And why did he create us? For thy pleasure, we are and we were created. And so what's the purpose of that pleasure? Yes, it's to do his will, but it's also for fellowship. Because God created us that we might know him and he could know us and there could be that level of fellowship that, I mean, it's still hard to understand why God created us, us little, little people down here, but he wants to have fellowship with us. He wants to know us and have a relationship. And so we have that picture of Christ in his time of needing strength before he went to the cross, who came? Moses and Elijah. And he had some fellowship there that was pretty glorious on that Mount of Transfiguration. But, you know, the Creator is looking for companionship, for fellowship with His creation. You know, don't we see that in the garden? Right? That's the picture, is that he, it, you almost get the sense that it wasn't just the garden and of, the, of God's creation that He delighted in. He delighted in the companionship and the fellowship of being with Adam and Eve and walking with them in the garden in those times. You know, and that's our divine calling. Actually, Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 1.9. He said, God is faithful by whom you were called unto fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, we're called to fellowship with each other, but ultimately, you know, we're not just called to get together and have good fellowship together. We're called unto fellowship with the Father and Son and Spirit. That's our true call. And of course, Paul's, the Apostle Paul's cry at the end of his life is that, oh, that I may know him and the fellowship. And the fellowship. Now, there was a lot to that verse. Um, you know, different areas of coming to know the Lord. Philippians 3.10, the full verse is that I may know him the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable to his death. Right? There's certain ways of coming to know the Lord. And, you know, the, the honest truth is that it's not easy because the pathway got, that Christ walked is also not easy. But it's the pathway to, to knowing him and having true fellowship with him. And so Paul is saying, you know, we can know him through power, through resurrection power flowing in us and through us through suffering, that God wants to give us strength to endure to the end, and through the cross as we lay down our will and our life for Jesus. And all of that is a beautiful song that's being woven and written in our lives that we're going to be singing for all eternity. Not everyone's going to know it or be able to sing it because it's a very personal thing. It is based on the work of Christ. Now, I think we will definitely be singing the same song as God works those same aspects in us 
But if we don't let them work those aspects, we might not know that tune as well as others. And so, Lord, I, I want to know Your songs. I don't want to get up there and be like, oh, I don't know that song. Lord, lead us wherever You will so we can sing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Now, I want to look at, at one more main thought. No, that was kind of a long introduction, but we're, we're introducing the thought of Moses. But I, I wanted to look at, at his life kind of going back to the very beginning. You know, in fact, before he was born, um, you know, we can consider his lineage because he was of the tribe of Levi. And in fact, he, he was the great-grandson of Levi. And so, you know, he was very close in, in, in that sense of the priesthood and, uh, and that thought of, of lineage is important. You know, everyone has a lineage, uh, sometimes we can know about it, other times we don't. We want to discover it, so we do genealogy research, or you might even send our DNA in to a company and try and figure out where are we from, and our ancestors were from here, this country or that country. You know, it's very popular today because we want to know. And that does have some significance because there's a, a concept that we have received certain things. You know, in the natural, we receive certain features and and so forth from our lineage. But in the spiritual, we also receive certain aspects from our lineage, sometimes for good, sometimes for our detriment. But you know, Moses had a lineage in the tribe of Levi, but he also had a good lineage from his parents. Right? His parents were named Amram and Jochebed. And they were even closer to, to Levi, but, but they were godly. And they had a faith where they trusted God in a very dark time in Egypt. In fact, in a time so dark where Pharaoh was commanding that any child, male child that was born had to be put into the river and drowned. What faith, you know, to trust God, you know, for that. And yet their parents had that faith and imparted that into their children. And, and they produced, you know, a godly crop, didn't they? They, they produced Miriam, who was, the, who was a prophetess, Aaron, the high priest, and then Moses, the man of God. And so, you know, Moses received a very godly impartation through his parents, you know, and, and sometimes we can receive a godly lineage. And that's such a wonderful blessing. And, you know, I'm, I've been impacted by a godly lineage. You know, I feel that. There have been generations in my family you know, and I've, I've even been told there's been generations in the past praying for future generations, and I'm a recipient of their prayers. And I'm, you know, I feel that, and I want to walk in, in that to not disappoint them. But of course, you know, different people have different heritages, you know. But in one sense, you know, people will say, well, I don't have the, the same privilege, but, you know, every God, godly heritage started with someone. It all starts with someone who made a determination, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that is passed on, whether in the natural or in the spiritual, it's passed on. And there's a breaking from the past as well, because we want to 
walk in the in the way of a godly heritage. You know, sometimes in that thought of of a heritage, you know, there's certain qualities or traits that are a detriment. Right? Sometimes there there's certain weaknesses to overcome and we have to break from that. Actually, we can see that in the story of Moses. You you might think, well, Moses, you know, he's from the tribe of Levi. It's a godly heritage. Yes, but there was something in his lineage that was not perfect, right? And we just have to look back to the story of uh, uh, Genesis 34 with Dinah, you know, and uh, she's defiled and the brothers want to take revenge. And, and the two brothers, Levi and Simeon, they go out, they slay all the males of that city. And Jacob was not very happy with that. And he said something before he went on where he was prophesying about all his children. And he said this in Genesis 49 and verse 5 about these two brothers. He said, Simeon and Levi are brethren, instruments of cruelty. <laughs> How'd you like to receive those, those words <laughs> from your dying father as a, as a parting blessing, your instruments of cruelty? Wow, that would be quite a heritage. All right, oh, my soul, verse six, oh, my soul, come not into their secret, unto their assembly in mine honor. Be not thou united, for in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they dig down a wall. Cursed be their anger. Woo. He's giving out blessings and curses, but it wasn't, you know, just because of him. It was because of their actions. For it was fierce and in their wrath, it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. That's quite a lineage. And you know what? That came true. Levi, they became the priesthood and they received no inheritance. Now God turned it for good. Right? Because God became their inheritance as they followed him. You know, uh, Simeon, actually, basically, they got absorbed into Judah. Right? They had a portion in, in Judah, but they disappeared and got absorbed. And that basically became the tribe, the southern tribe of Judah. And so they were scattered in that. And so we can, you know, we can kind of get a little perspective to the story of Moses here. You know, instruments of cruelty. How would you like that as your heritage? Maybe it gives us a little perspective too on the story of Moses being provoked. He had a lineage that he had to overcome, right? And, you know, we can read how God made Moses or called Moses the meekest man in all the earth. But perhaps we can infer that there was some prayer on Moses' part for change, concerning meekness. And we can actually see in the beginning of his story how he was starting out trying to serve God. And what did he do? He started out actually in the way of Levi, who, who slew a man. You know, and Moses started his ministry killing the Egyptian, but then he went into the wilderness, and that's where we can understand a change took place, a softening, a breaking on his part. I think there was probably 40 years of prayer saying, Lord, Help me. Help me to change. Break this, this lineage in me because I want to walk in meekness, being led by you. And sometimes we can receive ungodly traits or things in our lives 
But as we cry out to God to meet him, they could be turned in, sometimes into our greatest strength, like with Moses. Right? That should have been his greatest weakness, but he became the meekest man in all the earth. You know, and so concerning this, this thought of lineage, there's actually kind of a dual picture we can see. You know, the first, as, as we look at Moses as our role model, as our example, right? His lineage was the priesthood. And so God, before the foundation of the world, he knew the Levites would stand before him and separate themselves to be priests. He'd be the firstborn of God. And in one sense, that's our calling. We're called into that lineage of a family, of the family of God to be priests. And we're, and we're adopted into that. You know, like Hebrews says, we're heirs of salvation to walk in that way of being priests. But there's also a lineage to overcome. And that's the nature that we've inherited and what we've received. Now, I want to just share a, a story um, as we close here of how we can overcome that past lineage. And really, I'm speaking of the nature that we've received that, that hinders us. Um, because we can, God is calling us to overcome that lineage to enter into a new one. And so there was a certain lady and, you know, she and her family came to the Lord later in life, you know, and, and after she already had children and, and she was saved and filled with the spirit and she was coming to the Lord and, and she said, Lord, in my two sons, I see, I see everything in me that's wrong has been reproduced in them. And, and the Lord spoke to her and he said, the key was to sow a new crop plant new seeds in them based on godliness and God would, would do something new. And so she began to do that. She began to kind of gently discipline and train and to plant godly seeds based on his ways. And, and she began to see a change. And eventually her children eventually, you know, received what she was saying and walked in, in the ways of God. But I, I really felt quickened with that thought, plant new seed plant new seed. And, and I think this can apply to us in, in several ways, right? Perhaps we, you might say, well, my heritage isn't the best. <laughs> you know, there's lots of things I have to overcome. What do I do? Well, the key is planting new seeds. You know, whether it's in your family or children or your relationships, to bring about any change, we have to plant new seeds of faith, of righteousness, of holiness, and we will reap if we faint not to take those, to receive those seeds of faith and walk in them and obey the way that God has put before us. You know, and, and there is something important to remember. Even if we have a godly heritage, you, you can't really to rely, totally rely upon that and, and live upon the harvests of the past, right? Even in the natural that last year's harvest is only going to last you so long before you go hungry. And so what do you have to do? You have to plant seeds continually all the time because you want to reap continually. And so if we're not planting new seeds, and, and what does that practically mean? It, it means we're continually feeding upon Christ and letting him plant 
something new in us. We're feeding upon his word, upon his spirit, and allowing his work to take place. It's a work and it's an investment for anyone who wants to reap a good harvest. And so as we walk with Christ, those seeds of faith can be imparted into us. Must be, I should say, must be imparted into us. You know, and as we obey his leading, we will receive a good harvest unto eternal life. And we can be joined unto that godly lineage that Moses is an example of, of a priest unto God. And we'll look later on about he wasn't, he wasn't just a priest. He was one who went within the veil and had communion with God. And that's, that's more of what we're called to do. And, and so we have this man, Moses, and really when we're looking at role models, I know we've looked at several in the past in series and called them, you know, someone, our role model. Moses is one of the greatest role models because he not only responded to the call of God and was faithful in all his house to do the will of God, but he was a companion of the living God. And he had a communion relationship with him so that God birthed a song in him that's going to be sung for all eternity. And it's a wonderful picture of what God is calling each of us to enter into. You know, sometimes we just, we look at these people and say, well, those were the super believers and we're just the regular people. But that is not the case. They're just the pattern that all of us are called to walk in. Now, the power and the glory we see, I think we're going to see that later on and we might be surprised at how, how, how many people are going to enter into that level of power? But, you know, that's not really the, the thing. People can experience the power. Samson experienced the power. But he missed out on what God really wanted to do. It's that communion relationship. It's that song in the night that God wants to work and birth in our lives that we will sing for all eternity as we allow him to plant those new seeds. And we have to take those steps. There's very practical things we have to do and take the opportunity, right? We can say, well, I, I don't know if I really want that seed. <laughs> that, that, that one's a hard one to develop. Well, do we want to sing the song? But yet as we open our heart and say, Lord, help me. And we give every opportunity for those seeds to be planted. God will put something new within us. Something we will, be, we will benefit from and we will sing to God for all eternity. Lord, we just thank you for this example. Lord, and we're just, we're encouraged, Lord, because you want to do something in us. Lord, you want to, to us to enter into something according to the pattern of your servant Moses. And Lord, we just open our hearts to you Lord, we pray that you would even do something new and plant something, begin to put new seeds within us, seeds of faith. Lord, that the past would be broken from us. Lord, let there be a fresh breaking of the past. Lord, that you would plant something new. Lord, that would take over, that would bring new life, bring new strength, new vision, new health. Oh, Lord. Oh, we just look to you afresh. Do that work. Lord, that 
that, Lord, that song of Moses and that song of the Lamb would be birthed within our hearts and our lives for all eternity and that we could sing that as a song of praise and worship to you. Oh, Lord, all of our days we ask. And we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.